Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. The title of the message this morning is going to be The Greatest Attribute. Tonight I'm going to be speaking on It's Love or Nothing. It's Love or Nothing tonight. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I'm going to be using the, the word love instead of charity, which is the King James translation. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not love, it profits me nothing. Our Father, bless us this morning as we endeavor to preach your word. May that which we say sink somehow into the heart of us all. We would recognize that love is the most important thing for us in our lives as Christian people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We usually take the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians in isolation and don't realize that it simply is a climax to something that Paul has been talking about over in the 12th chapter. Those of you who went through the book of 1 Corinthians in our Bible study on Wednesday night some months ago, may recall that the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians deals with the gifts that God has given to his people. The gift of prayer, the gift of preaching, the gift of healing, and so on. And the problem was that the Christian people in the church at Corinth had many of these gifts But they lacked something. They had tremendous ability to pray, or whatever their gift might have been, but there was something in their life that was lacking. They each felt that they had the most important ability that God ever passed out. And the people who would stand up and testify believed that they were the greatest proclaimers of God's word that there ever was in the world. Those who prayed believed that they had the most eloquent prayer of all the world. And those who got up to read or to preach or to teach felt that there was nobody better. God had given them a corner on the market in this particular ability. And then Paul comes along and cuts them down to size. He says in the 31st verse of that 12th chapter, that it is desirable that you seek these gifts. You ought to desire to be the greatest. And I reaffirm that. We ought to endeavor to be superior in our service to the Lord. Bar nothing. But if we would be capable of obtaining a position of superiority in our testimony, in our praying, in our preaching, in our teaching, or whatever it might be, 
And we work at this with all our heart, but we do not have as a basis for doing it that little thing called love. Paul says we become less than nothing. We heard marvelous prayers this morning. I felt like the service was almost dull until Annalee, you led us in prayer. I tell you, that prayer changed this service around. And it continued upward from that point. The choir did a much better job after the prayer than before. But if she or any of us, and I am not pinning you, pin, pinpointing you, Annalee, I'm simply taking the opportunity to use. If that eloquent prayer that we know came from the depths of the heart, but if it were done without the benefit of the love of God in our heart to say what we say, to sing what we sing, to preach what we preach, we have become nothing but some noise. And that's what Paul is talking about. If I would ask you the definition of God, you might come up with many things, but it has been reduced in the scripture to three words, or as a definition. God is what? And one word concludes that God is love. And whatever that thing called love is, that's God. And if we're going to achieve anything as disciples of God, as his children, we're going to do it because we have that same quality in us that we find in God himself. And listen, if you are a Christian and don't have the quality of love in your life, you don't have God in your life that will be demonstrated in that which you do. We've got to have the quality in us that he placed there because of him. God so loved this world that he gave in order that we might have. And that's the basis of all that we are or ever hope to be. So how would you describe, therefore, a Christian? A Christian has to be described in the same terms as we describe God. If God is love, then we are love. And if we are not love, we are nothing. When I was in school, I remember being taught a little poem. I think maybe I might have quoted, tried to quote it one time. I've lost it and I can't remember quite all the words, but it was a boobit Adam. May his tribe increase. Awoke one night from a deep dream of peace and saw uh, with the moonlight in his room an angel writing in the book of gold. Exceeding peace made Ben Adam bold. And he said to the angel, What writest thou? The angel said, the names of those who love the Lord. And is mine one, said Abu. Nay, not so, replied the angel. Abu's voice grew low. He said, I pray thee then, write mine as one who loves his fellow men. The angel wrote and vanished. The next night he appeared again and and revealed the names of those who love the Lord. And behold, Ben Adam's name led all the rest. You see, that which God put in us must in turn be taken from us and put in others. Amen. 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 
And without that, we are not godly. Let me read you a few verses of Scripture that talks about love and God. I'm going back to 1 John 4, uh, 4th chapter, first of all, verses 7 and 8. You probably won't be able to follow all these to find them quickly, but listen to them. Beloved, let us love one another, for for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Did you hear those words? He that does not love does not know God. So to know God is to love. All right, over to the 20th and 21st verses. If a man say, I love God, and hate his brother, he is a liar. Whoa, I didn't say that. The scriptures say that. I wouldn't be bold enough to write that. John was bold enough to write it, and God gave those words his blessing to call them divine scripture. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. He does not love God. Did you see that? For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. All right, let's go to another. Colossians chapter 3, verse 14. Above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. Go to Galatians 5.14. We find these words. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, that thou love thy neighbor as thyself. The law is fulfilled in one word. Love. To what degree? He completes it as yourself. No man hates himself. No person that I know of has ever hated himself. And the Lord says that we are to love our neighbors even as ourself. But the Corinthians did not demonstrate this in their life. They were selfish. They were self-willed. They were self-motivated. They had self-interests. They regarded themselves but had no regard for people around them. There are three words in Greek that mean love. We went over those in Bible study. Let me go over them again. Three words in Greek that mean love. One of them is eros, E-R-O-S. This means appetite love, the type of love that desires to obtain to satisfy oneself. I love ice cream. I have an appetite for it. And to satisfy that love uh, can only be achieved when I am able to, to eat some ice cream, as an illustration. It's the kind of love that is erotic, that has the desire to satisfy one's own cravings. It's this kind of love that most marriages start out to being built upon. 
But if it's this kind of love that the marriage ends up with, it will not be strong and it probably will fail. It's the love that is a physical attraction type love. A boy says to a girl, I love you, and he is thinking not in terms of anything, but that which he wants is there and he wants to have it. That's one kind of love. Self-gratification. The satisfying of one's own desires is eros. Then there is philia, which is brotherly love. And we get the word Philadelphia from that very word. But there's another word, and it's called agape, A-G-A-P-E. It's in the King James that it is, is translated charity. It's the very word that Paul uses here to Corinthians. He used the word agape, and we translate it more properly today, love. It's the kind of love that goes from one person to another that was first demonstrated as coming from God to man. And this is the kind of love that we need to be talking about in the church. When I say to you, as I've said to many of you, and many of you have said to me, I love you, we're not talking about eros, which is a self-satisfying love. We're not talking maybe about even a friendship love, although that certainly could be. We're talking about a love that is higher and superior to anything else. The kind of love that God has for me, I have for you. That's what we're saying. And we can say it conveniently and, and appropriately. And we're not being uh, sensual in our statements to each other when we say to each other, I love you. Because we're talking about the quality of love that was demonstrated in our lives from God above. But we have already read that if man does not love man, man does not love God. When we became a Christian, there was something that took place in our life. The love of God took up residence and it changed our viewpoint. It changed our outlook. It changed our objectivity. We now must look at each other through different eyes. I may not love what you do, brethren, but I must, by the command of God, love you. With the same kind of love that God had, which caused him to sacrifice his only son on the cross of Calvary that we would have life. That's what we should pursue and try to achieve. One of the great preachers of our country, the name of Alan Redpath, tells the story of a young lady who came to his study one day with a problem. The problem was a young man had asked her to marry him. She wasn't really sure if she loved him. But he really was pressing her and he had told her, I love you and if you don't marry me, I'll kill myself. 
The young girl was concerned she did not want to be responsible for the suicide of that young man. But at the same time, she did not believe that she loved him to the point that she could marry him. What was she to do? Simple little problem, isn't it? Tremendous burden that she had. Alan Redpath, in his wisdom, gave this counsel to that girl. He said to her, what should you do? Do nothing. Do not marry him. Because he does not love you. He loves himself. That's all. He is looking through eyes of gratifying that which he wants and has little concern for your welfare. You see, love has more concern for the welfare of the other than it does for himself. If I love you, I'm more concerned about what you will be than what I am. What your needs are than what mine are. It was a kind of love that made Paul say on one occasion, If my going to hell would save my brethren, I will give up my salvation. Now that was a big if, and of course giving up Paul's salvation would not achieve salvation for others but the point is he loved his brethren enough to give his own soul if it would mean they would be saved now I ask you how many of us have that quality of love love is not selfish love considers the other before it considers himself that's what Paul's saying Solomon was a wise old man in the Old Testament. Probably the wisest man that ever lived. And on one occasion, two women came to him with a problem. They were fighting over the possession of a baby, if you can imagine. Each said, that baby belongs to me. Well, obviously it did not belong to both. So it had to belong to one or the other. And each was claiming it. And they asked Solomon to make a decision. Tell us who may have possession of the baby. And Solomon in his wisdom said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just divide that child right down the middle. I'll give each of you half. How will that be? And the one woman said, yes, go ahead and do it. But the other said, no, no. Give the child to her. I give up my rights to it. Give it to her. Now who was the mother? The one who loved enough to sacrifice her rights in order that the loved one might have a life. That's what love is. But the one who will be so bitter in their attitude toward life that they're willing to, to uh, even sacrifice for themselves in order that the other person have nothing either is not demonstrating any kind of love. Love is more interested in giving than receiving. Love is that which puts others ahead of self. Love is that which will sacrifice self if necessary in order that someone else might have something. Love will willingly put others first. Jesus said, I say to you, love your enemies. 
Pray for them who persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Brethren, until we love our enemies to that degree, we don't have very much of the love of God within us. For Jesus loved even those who nailed him to the cross and died for the sinner as well as the saint. Love will put the needs of others first. Jesus said, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you. And by this shall men know that ye are my disciples, if you love one another. You remember that Jesus went to the upper room with his disciples? He had sent two of his disciples ahead to make preparation for the Passover meal. One of the common preparations that they always made in that day was to prepare a pan of water and one of the servants would wrap himself with a huge towel and sit there on the floor and as the guests came into the room they would take off their sandals and the servant would wash their feet you know, they might be comfortable because of all the dust and they wore nothing but sandals. This was a common courtesy. The disciples felt each was too good to do this for the other. And when Jesus and the disciples came for the meal, they made no preparations or provision for the washing of the feet. Jesus said nothing. He and his disciples went in and they ate the meal with the uncomfortable, dirty, gritty feet. And after the meal was over, Jesus himself got up and he wrapped a towel around himself and he took the bowl of water and he started down the line washing each one's feet. That's love. Who will do for the other even the menial tasks such as that? It's not difficult to get someone to do something great if that individual will be recognized. But it's sometimes very difficult to do the menial task that nobody will ever know about just because you love. Let me read Romans chapter 13, verses 8 and 9. It says this, Owe to no man anything but to love one another. He that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Rich young ruler came to Jesus on one occasion simply saw him and said, Good Master, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, You know the commandments keep them. And the commandments the young man thought in his mind was, I will not commit adultery, I won't kill, I won't steal, I won't bear false witness, I won't covet. But listen, there was one commandment that he had not complied with, and that commandment was to love his neighbor as himself. And because he was unwilling to love his neighbor as himself, he bowed his head and turned and went away from Jesus Christ, never to be saved, because he would not allow into his life the love of God, because if it came in, it would have to go back out again. There are a few things in order to keep we must give away, and one of them is love. If you want to keep love, you will give love. 
If you won't give love, you can't possess love. Did you hear it? There should be nothing that would permeate your life and mine as the children of God more than the concept of love. And I know with the assurance of the scripture that when you don't love me, you are demonstrating a lack of love of God. But more than that, when you won't love your neighbor, when you won't love your enemy, when you won't love that person on the other side of the world who needs Jesus Christ as much as anyone else, then you're not demonstrating the love of God. For what comes in must go out or it won't stay. There's no substitute for love. You can't do enough works to overcome the need of love. You can't pray enough to overcome the need of love. You can't attend church enough to make that more valuable than love. You can't preach or you can't teach enough to overcome the need for love. The Bible teaches us lots of things about love. Let me quickly quote a few of them. 1 Corinthians 14.1 We are told to pursue love. Colossians 3.14 To put on love. 1 Thessalonians 3.2 To increase in love. 2 Corinthians 8.8, 8, to be sincere in love. Philippians 2.2, 2, to be unified in love. 1 Peter 4.8, to be fervent in love. And Hebrews 10.28, to stimulate, stimulate each other with love. Those are a few illustrations. After the resurrection... Jesus sat along the seashore around the fire and was eating fish with his disciples. And he turned to Peter, who had denied him three times just recently, and said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. Jesus said again, Peter, do you love me? Peter was just a bit agitated because he was asked the question the second time. The first surely ought to have been enough. He affirmed his love. But Peter answered, Yea, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said the third time, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, thou knowest that I love you. And then Jesus said, If that's the case, then feed my sheep. I have a job for you to do. There are two things that Jesus does with you and me. Number one, he calls us to salvation. And secondly, he calls us to service. Now, brethren, many people have responded to the call of salvation and have said no to the call of service. Did you hear me? If you love the Lord Jesus Christ and can respond with Peter, yes, Lord, you know I love you, will respond to the call of the Lord to feed the sheep. And if one refuses to take the gospel message to those who need it, 
in our homes, in our community, and in our world are demonstrating a lack of the love of God that we so claim that we have. Nothing that we do should be done except it be wrapped in and permeated with love. Anything done outside the bonds of love is done outside the will of God. I hope that we as a church, as we face this new year, can grow in this concept of loving ourselves, loving our neighbors, and loving our enemies with the same quality of love that came from God to us. We're willing to do it. I've preached this fairly harshly this morning, but I intended to. Because I think it's time that we wake up to the reality that we cannot claim any more of God and the salvation of Jesus Christ than we demonstrate going into the lives of people with whom we associate. How great is your God? I ask you, how great is your love of your fellow man? And you have demonstrated how great your God is for you. Agape, that supreme love of God that came into our lives must go out of our lives into others. I hope today before we leave that many of you will say to each other, I love you. And when you say it, you're using the word agape. I love you with the love of God. The same love that God gave me, I now am willing to give you out of my life. Will you do it? Come back tonight and we're going to go back over those three verses, but do it in a little different manner. We're going to see what Paul really said about love in your life and mine. If there's a person in this congregation this morning that has not felt the love of God come into his life because you're not a Christian, we encourage and invite you to receive the Lord Jesus. Let his love just flow over you and fill you full this morning. Just give way and say, Lord, I give up. I want your love. I want you to save me. So we pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.